exciting news. Yes. It is launch week around these parts. So our Wayman Unlimited onboarding coaching program is now open for enrollment. If you are a digital creator who's looking to add more predictability, more profit, and more peace into your business, our Wayman Unlimited program is here to help you. Through our monthly onboarding coaching sessions, we'll remove the overwhelm of growing your business and give you specific marketing tactics to focus on each month so you can grow, but at a sustainable pace. Because we're all steady, about... Steady. Slow growth around here. We take a slow and steady approach to running a calm business so you can reach your business goals without sacrificing your well-being. By the way, also included in Wayman Unlimited is a lifetime account to our core software, Tea Tree, which is the most customizable and brandable course platform on the market. You also get access to a member favorite group accountability system we call Wayme of Stones. That's Please right. don't sue us, Game of Thrones. <laughs> where we blend fun and action taking together in our weekly Wayme Slack community through doing some accountability and sharing our goals, getting our tasks done every single week. That's right. If you are interested in joining Wayman Unlimited, head to wanderingaimfully.com slash join to learn more and get all the details. And just as a reminder, the doors will be open until March 26th. Welcome to What Is It All For? A podcast designed to help you grow your online business and pursue a spacious, satisfying life at the same time. We're your hosts, Jason and Caroline Zook, and we run Wandering Aimfully, an unboring business coaching program. Every week, we bring you advice and conversations to return you to your most intentional self and to help you examine every aspect of your life and business by asking, what is it all for? Thanks for listening, and now let's get into the show. And I'm here too. (laughs) How would you like to start this podcast, Caroline? I would like to start by saying hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. Good job. I think I think that's probably one of the coolest ways anyone started a Just, podcast. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Super cool. Do your best Scottish like greeting. How are you? How are you? That's that's what you do. Yeah, it's like first hi. of all, hello it's, is like you no American. Yeah, I throw hellos at people, and they're like, "I'm sorry, what was that?" They just look at you weird. Ooh, yeah, my favorite is hiya. Hiya. Hiya is yeah. a good one. But then it's like, "Hi, how are you?" All is one word. How I love you? it so much. How are you? How are you? How are you? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I have It's like, found why my... have four words when you can have one? This is true. Also, it does just sound like a sound. Hey. It's just a Harriet. Like, yeah. Oh, are you okay? Is That's what hurry? I love about it. Yeah, it's great. It's just like very sing songy. We are coming to you from Scotland. We are going to share our two week, first two weeks uh, outside of the, a major city in Scotland. Because where we know. last left them off, we told them about getting to Edinburgh. So they knew we were in Scotland. We did, yeah. But maybe someone didn't listen to the last week's episode Correct. because they're like, I don't want to confront my business. Nemesis is. <laughs> is <laughs> did nemesis-i. you like that episode? That was fun. I thought it was a fun episode. Got some good feedback. Thank you so much. We always appreciate your feedback. And if you ever want to give feedback, hello at wanderinginfo.com. Feel free to send us your feedback. We love hearing it because podcasting is weird. You're just into a void. Talking it's, into it's a void. It's very weird. It's we, What's weird about podcasting, and we've had this discussion, yeah. is that for us, it's so conversational. It's so like, oh, just capturing yeah. a conversation. But but we send it out into the ether. We have no idea who's on the other end. But then for you listening, it's such an intimate experience. Yeah. Like you're... In a bathtub. In a bathtub. There's You're lots of bubbles. You're s- about to fall asleep. Good night, sweet dreams. You are <laughs> unloading the dishwasher. You are walking the dog. Like you're doing yeah. all these things that are like a very, it's just you and your yeah. thoughts. And this is a very intimate environment. But us on this other end, when we just recorded this, feels like we're just simultaneously talking to each other and talking to like a stadium full of people we don't true. know. True. Very true. Yeah, not a stadium of nine because we have nine listeners. That's right. Yeah. Of so no, we're up to 14, I thought. 
Oh, we might be up to 20, actually. Yeah. 20? That's our new milestone. Basically, Guys, Madison, milestone. It's basically Madison Square Garden. That's Which, saying. for those of you who are not from the U.S., that's a big arena in the U.S. It's very famous. All right. So let's uh, let's bell a little bit here, and let's share some of our uh, memories and stories from our time in Rind, which is mm-hmm. literally the smallest town I think anyone could ever be in. It's just basically a rural area. <laughs> it is. You're, so you're driving, mm-hmm. and you see, welcome to Rind, mm-hmm. and then about... 13 seconds later, you see, thanks, thanks for, d- thanks for Rind. <laughs> visiting Rend. And you're like, there were three houses, yeah. a post office though, there was which a, is I a mean, person's house. Exactly. I'm just going to yeah. be honest. It's yeah. a person's house with the thing. And a lot of cows. A lot of cows, a lot of horses. But let me tell you something. Coming to Scotland, yeah. I just had not, and I'm sorry for any of our Scottish listeners, I had not given a thought to coming here. Yeah. I just was like, oh, you know, we, we got to be out of the Shenzhen region, so we're just going to spend the summer in a place that isn't super hot, and so we'll go to the UK, and we'll kind of, like, bide our time, and, like, I guess I had just sort of, you know, mistakenly neglected yeah. the excitement of Scotland, and because my expectations, I guess, were just non-existent, I got here, and I am just, I am just entranced it's by the lovely. beauty of this it is lovely. Area. Yeah, it's it's is it really a country. We're still not sure. It's a country within the United Kingdom, but the United Kingdom is a country. I just But then there's also in Scotland the Kingdom of Fife, which is just like it's so confusing. a kingdom within a kingdom. And so the way I just think about <laughs> it is like England and Scotland, like they're states kind of, but Right. But but or Scotland countries? feels like a country? Or countries? Is Wales a country? I think England uh-huh. wants to be its own continent. Like, they're just like, we don't want to be a part of Europe. We don't want to be a part of anything else. Like, no, see, we... I disagree. I think they want to be like, England is like, yeah, but we're the dad. Like, so I'm saying, yeah, it's like, it's like United Kingdom, thing. like, we're, yeah, yeah. but like, just so everyone knows. Anyway, let's move on from the geopolitical <laughs> debate that has probably been uh, running this country rampant forever and instead just share with you, it's so beautiful. It's so lovely. Love it. And we, so we found the, as we have been telling you through multiple Prambells, We've found Airbnbs yes. in a country. And that's part of what I think is the ch- pure joy of this trip. Uh-huh. Is we'll go, we want to spend time in Scotland. Mm-hmm. You zoom out the full map, full map. of, of so Scotland. So much so that Airbnb kind of yells at you sometimes. They're yeah. like, you need to zoom in. They're like, please zoom in. And you're like, I don't want to. Don't, don't you limit to. me. But it was really fun when we were looking for places. You know, We, we found a couple and, and it's summertime. So things are going to be booked a little bit more. But we found this first cottage, mm-hmm. which is called the Sawmill Cottage. I'll mm-hmm. put a link in the show notes. Uh, also, if I remember correctly, we were trying to... Many of you have asked this question. We have a Q&A episode coming at some yeah. point about how much we're spending on Airbnbs. Yeah. This was a time period where we intentionally were trying to spend a little bit less. Yeah. That's not to say this place was like cheap by any means. Well, nothing in the summer in, is cheap. Exactly. It's just really like the way but it is. But compared to what some other things yeah. we were looking at, this was a very well-priced option yeah. for us. So this cottage uh, is in this small town of Rind, and it's basically on this land that this family bought, I think, like 10-plus years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's it was so confusing when we first got there. Because there's so many structures. Yeah, you, there's a gatehouse when yeah. you turn into the property. And you're like, does someone live there? Or is that just like an old castle structure? And people do live there. Yeah. And people do live there. Then you drive down the road, and you can see this huge like manor house. Like yeah. It looks like a literal castle. It's yes. humongous. It's like Downton Abbey type like house. And you're like, mm, does anyone live there? Because that's yeah. like a lot. And then you turn in to like our little area yeah. and you see the, the sawmill cottage, which yes. is where we're staying. So that's a rental. But then uh, directly across the driveway, the gravel yeah. is like a carriage house that looks like it used a to be house, a coach house. I think is what they called it. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know what the difference is. Me either. Yeah. Um, but it, it's like a slightly bigger structure yeah. with like these, these big kind of garage doors type yeah. thing. And everything looks... 
very well maintained, like updated, but yeah. also very old at the same yeah. time. Like very like well historically preserved, if that makes sense. Yeah. And and this this place, what we really liked about it was it felt updated. Like the kitchen was definitely if you look at the oh, photos, yeah. if you go to the Airbnb, the kitchen was very modernized. For sure. Not like modern design, but just modernized. But then there were lots of touches that made it feel like kind cottage-y. of cottagey. Uh, one of which was the blankets over all of the furniture. Which, when you get there and you like take a peek under the blanket, you're like, ah, I see why. Yeah, this is horrendous fabric, and it would look terrible <laughs> in photos. But then you were comfy, and you're like, I'm not mad about it. Yeah, Aesthetically, yeah. disastrous. Yeah. Uh, comfort, a plus. Yeah. So we'll have uh, we're gonna have a YouTube video of the tours of our two Scotland Airbnbs because we're gonna kind of change up our YouTube strat. Whoa. Whoa. Big deal. Maybe uh, we'll record a podcast about that. Yeah, maybe. So uh, you'll get to see that. But if you click through the Airbnb, you'll be able to check it out. But there were two, uh, I'm going to use the word disastrous, but it wasn't disastrous. That's but I just want to say That's I just said it. the word disastrous exactly. and you were like, yeah. love that word. Yeah. It's so, it's for, so hyperbolic. For emphasis, mm-hmm. two disasters of two this Airbnb. Two disasters. Number one. Number one. In the listing, we're very clear when we search for Airbnbs, we tick the box for kitchen. We tick the oh, box for- Oh, I have a third disaster. Wi-Fi. Fantastic. So always- Kitchen and Wi-Fi. We showed up. Guess what was there? A kitchen. Guess what was also there? A Wi-Fi. <laughs> there was a router. Uh, connect connected to it. I stood next to it. I reset it. I plugged into it. I've even traveled. I have an Ethernet cord in my bag. Plugged into it directly. There was no Wi-Fi. We get there. This is the first night, and we're like, uh oh. Especially because this two and a half weeks was, was supposed, supposed to be, be our work chunk. Let's get caught up on work we stuff. We were supposed to get caught yeah. up. We were supposed to get ahead for we our fall enrollment. Session. We had a coaching session. Yeah. Like literally we were so reliant on this. So much so that even the host who, by the way, was very lovely yeah. and like the couple was so lovely, but came over and was sort of like, like you could tell he was sort of like, yeah, n- no, there is a signal, but like that's the best we could do. And and there is no signal because so, it's not his yeah. fault, right? Like it's just the there. It's a rural area, so right. like the they don't have fiber, they don't have anything out there, and so we were kind of troubleshooting it with him, and basically led us on a little bit of a adventure <laughs> to go see if we could boost this signal just enough to even do anything. When I tell you. Couldn't load a page. I mean, no, nothing. Like, nothing. this isn't, like, bad Wi-Fi where you're like, oh, I can't watch my Netflix. It's blurry. It's like, no, no, you you can't even load a thing. Yeah, exactly. So we'll save you the full, long, long drawn-out version. But essentially what happened was we ended up going into the nearby town, which was Perth, which we'll share a little fun thing from there. We went to, essentially, for those of you in the U.S. know, an AT&T store. Here it's an EE store. We bought a little mobile hotspot device. And... For those of you who are like, well, how have you been getting internet before? Like, we have international plans on our phones. We also have a little hotspot app that, like, allows you to, in any country, buy data, which has worked well up until now. But Could, it's not enough to, like, well, run no, a exactly. Netflix show. Yeah, I mean, we couldn't like even that. get any service with that. Exactly. In there. So we bought this hotspot device. The best part about it, so we bring it home. We bring it inside. But we also, by the way, have to go to a Curry's, which is basically a Best Buy. Oh, yeah. To, to, to get, because at the EE, they don't have a non-subscription. Like, yeah. we would have to be like, <laughs> get on the plan with our Airbnb host, oh, which is gosh. not an option. So they're like, go to Curry's, and they'll just have the one where it's just like a flat fee. So we get there. Anyway, so it's a whole adventure, right? Yeah. We get home. We're like, crossing our fingers. I turn it on. It's got four lights. Three of the lights are blue. One light is red. The light that's red is the signal. I'm like, come on. No signal whatsoever. I take it outside, and I'm like, well, maybe it's just like the house is old, and it's just yeah, lined with yeah, lead. Yeah. And yeah, and yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. So we we had to set the hotspot up outside on like a little end table, 
And every single day, we would set it up, and it would only last like three hours of battery. Yeah. So then we had to use one of our battery packs right. to plug in. Then it would rain. So then I would set up an umbrella with like a little <laughs> plastic baggie system to like protect the battery, protect the hotspot device, cover it with the it umbrella. It was a saga. Uh, but and every single day we had to do this. So and it wasn't even like enough. Like I still, yeah, yeah. we would still even with that. So that basically became like our like uh, emergency Wi-Fi. Yeah. And then in order to actually get work done, we had to go into Perth into town which was like a 10 minute drive every day. And, you know, we did develop this nice little routine where yep. we signed up for a gym there. So we would go to the gym, yep. we would work out, and then we would park our car and walk into the main little downtown area, which just love the little, little city Perth of Perth. used to be the capital of Edinburgh, or of Scotland, before Edinburgh. Fun fact. We found that out from Joey the barista. Okay, Joey the barista, who is like our best friend. Yeah, so Little Bird was just this perfect little coffee shop. We actually were going to go to another coffee shop we yeah. had looked up. We were walking down the street with our stuff, and Caroline, like, she's like, hey. And I'm, of course, like 20 feet ahead, and like, course, on a mission. And, of course, like a moth to a flame, I yeah. see a modern logo <laughs> with floor-to-ceiling windows and minimal furniture and, like, I think, like, black and white motif yeah. Yeah. with a brushed concrete floor. Yeah. And I was like, hey, yeah. I found it. Yeah. I and found our spot. And so we came back, and we ended up parking up there. We essentially went there almost every single day for two and a half weeks. The coffee shop is called Little Bird. Yeah, Little Bird. Uh, I'll throw it in the show notes as well, because we just love Little Bird. Uh, they only have an Instagram. So nice. I actually overheard Joey talking to an older gentleman. He was like, do you guys have a card or anything? And Joey was like, <laughs> no. no. Do you have he, was like, he was like, do you have a phone number? He's like, no. no. He's like, we have Instagram. And you could just see the guy was like, <laughs> what? Yeah, it was actually pretty cute. I don't know if Perth is like an older city, or maybe it's just the time that people are in coffee shops are the time when the older folks are yeah. uh, milling about, but quite a few older uh, people came into the coffee shop and I just loved the juxtaposition of like the super modern, like, yep. you know, coffee shop vibe and them just like chill, chilling and, and hanging out. I loved it because again, we got to know everybody. So Joey would like, this older lady would walk in and be like, oh, hello, Patrice. And like, she would sit yeah. down and like, he would, he would, she just knew what, yeah. or he knew what she wanted every Always. single day. Probably the same so soup. it was just all those cute little things. Also, we sat at every single chair available in the place because we just like moved around everywhere. We loved it. Yeah, it was, it was a really good, it built a good routine for us. And I think that's just a good, like hopefully story to share with you all. If you're thinking about doing a travel venture like this, you may run into something, but then it just forces you to go, okay, how do we adapt? Which the funniest thing about it is I truly feel like before this Perth, I hadn't been able to yet unlock what work productivity felt like to me. Like I just couldn't figure it out. And it was yeah. all these different places and whatever. And having enough days stacked together also in a short period of time really showed me like, oh, pretend you're in Perth every day. Yeah. Like you only have this amount of time. I've been really using po the Pomodoro technique, like to its fullest extent and been loving that. And so the, uh, you know, silver lining is that yes, it felt very restrictive, but it taught me, I think I feel a lot more capable about my ability to work anywhere now. Yeah. Okay. Second disaster. The second disaster is go ahead. The bed situation. Okay. So also when we share these with you, it's a little bit tongue in cheek because I just want to say like we enjoyed our time there immensely. Oh yeah. We'll share all the best parts about it. Like just so you know, this isn't us complaining. It's just sharing. Yeah. And, and if you remember uh, earlier on when we were sharing travel updates, we were talking about like when things get bad, I have to ask Caroline, like, are you looking to book flights? Which means like, are you looking to like book a flight back to the which US? Which never and, have. Like, which you have not, but it's just our running it's joke. It's our running like, joke. Is it yeah. so bad? Uh, the first night we were there, we're like, should we book a new Airbnb? Like, we've had a contingency yeah. plan and we, saving set this aside. This was almost our first ever yeah. 
Do we move Airbnbs? But what we decided on, because we did do a quick browse, we're like, I mean, there's literally nothing to move to. And also, let's use this as an opportunity to not like let just not having Wi-Fi derail us from staying in this beautiful place. Which, by the way, so glad we did because aside from some of these, you know, challenges, it turned out to be like a beautiful place and there's a lot of yeah. positives. But the bed situation, okay, so there's one <laughs> little dark bedroom and the no, that's not true. There's two bedrooms, okay? Yeah. One is a bunk room yes. that has like three bunk beds, basically. Like yep. two that are up on a ladder. ladder. Like and if then, you uh, heard us talk about our Lagonini loft and split, it's like that, but even higher. Yeah. It's crazy. And then one that's a double bed that's sort of like underneath that in a traditional bunk bed style. Yeah. And then the primary bedroom is, I would say small. Oh no, I think the primary bedroom's a decent size actually. Okay. Like because well, there is there is space. Like we've been in bedrooms where you have to like scooch around a bed. You, you all know this. Like if there's a bed okay, that like takes true. up the whole room, this was not a scooch no, around the bed true. type of deal. But the bed, it was smaller than a queen. It was so here's the thing. We knew this was gonna be a queen bed. And but it was smaller than a queen. We were I just not excited be for that. On the record, there's yeah. no way it was a queen bed. There, maybe this is a Europe. Maybe this is a Scottish queen. A Scottish queen. Not <laughs> even a European queen, because I think we've been on a European queen before, and it's okay. It's tight. And for those of you who don't know, just as a reminder, I am six foot five. And guaranteed, whatever you think six foot five is in your head, if you met Jason in person, you would be shocked at how large I'm, of a human he is. I'm thick. So much so, our friend Cheryl that we just met up with, who <laughs> is a Waymer. Like literally was like, you're larger than I thought. Yeah. And then the first thing I said to you when we met in person yeah. 12 years ago was, you're a very large human. It's not just the height, it's the thickness. It's a resting. I come with a thickness. You do come with a thickness. Yeah. That it's is... just, it's bones. I have larger, <laughs> thicker bones than you most. You certainly do. And I don't do anything with them, but I have them. So and anyway. so people laugh, but I really need to hit this no, no, point and, home. And you yeah. take up quite a bit more space than an, like an average person. Absolutely do. 100%. So uh, we get in bed the first night mm -hmm. and a couple things happen. Uh, one is I cannot extend my legs fully. So my head is touching the iron rod iron headboard and my feet with my knees bent are touching the rod iron. Why is it footboard. so funny picturing you sleep at night with your legs so bent? The good thing is, is I don't typically, as most people sleep with my legs fully extended. I, t I sleep on my side. I'm a side sleeper. What's up side sleepers? Oh, so you kind of so do a little I fetal bend, positioning. I bend my knees. That's okay. I That's was okay. okay with that. Right. But the problem is that if you like go to flip over, then my feet get tangled in this rod iron mention, situation. You're completely forgetting that also not just the, the size, the not just the feet, but the creep. Yeah, I, I ended up so the first so night there was also a noise issue. Worst night of sleep ever for everybody. Like yeah. I got up at like four AM and just finally got out of bed and also, gave up. I sleep like a log and even I was disrupted. Yeah. So and we were just like, we were touching the whole night and like, we we're love like, each other. We love each other so don't much. Don't touch me in Don't bed. you dare to fucking don't touch you me. Touch okay. me <laughs> uh, so second night I put 16 pillows behind the headboard that, and solved the creaking problem. Okay, so creaking problem down. We still have two problems. We still have two problems. Touching uh, my, and My feet. feet and our touching. So by the third night, we tried one more night. By the third night... No, we so what happened first was then I said, I'm the one who gave first. And I said, I can't do the touching. Yeah. And also, I felt like claustrophobic because like the covers were so big. I just couldn't describe it. I was yeah. like, I got to get out of here. And I'm really sorry. And I love you so much. But I'm going to go sleep in the other bedroom. And so I tried sleeping in the bottom bunk by yeah. myself. Well, that was... We did do two nights in the in the primary bed. I know no, we yeah, did. We did yeah, two yeah, nights. yeah, two nights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the third night... Because we saw the creek. And we exactly. thought maybe it's the that's, creek. That's what we were doing, yeah. So the third night, you were like, peace, I'm out. Yeah. So you go and sleep in the other room. I slept... I tried to sleep diagonally. So I was like, okay, right. I have this full bed to myself. Yeah. Thank you so much to my loving wife. I try and sleep diagonally. Just... I will just let you folks know, just for one night of your life, 
try to sleep diagonally. <laughs> it is. It messes with everything you know. It's just like no, no. I'm supposed to be parallel to the bed. Like I'm not supposed to be at an angle. So oh the whole so night, funny. I had I had room, uh-huh. but I was, my body was just like, why are we diagonal? Like don't do this. So that that didn't, didn't like work. It. Didn't that work. didn't work. Diagonal sleeping. So no, no. and how'd you sleep on the third night? Oh, I felt like I was going to get kidnapped. Didn't yes. like it. Didn't love it being by myself. But you did sleep. I did sleep, it, yeah. You weren't getting like, you know, thrashed by me in the middle No, but like the falling asleep was like, I didn't love it. Okay, that. so uh, next opportunity here was I was going to put the mattress on the floor and I was like, I'm not going to do that. No. no. There was a futon in, in the bunk room. the bunk room. That folds out. And I actually had a futon in my uh, childhood home when I was a teenager mm-hmm. that I slept on and like so loved thought- it. So I was like, I could do this. Oh, yeah. I was also just, this size back then. Mm, I was thicker. I'm thicker now. You're thicker I wasn't now. so thick back then. Yeah. So I slept on the futon for a night. I know and all so of you really all, don't care about all this. Oh, but I don't care. It's just, so that's all of my problem because then I was like, oh, yeah. now he's in. I'm in the room. You're with in you. the room. Yeah. We love each other. We can say goodnight. I'll get my feet cut off first if they're exposed out from under my covers. Hashtag Slaughterhouse9 for those of you who listened to our episode about having your feet covered or not covered. Uncovered. And so. <laughs> We were in the same room. Great. The sound is no longer an issue. The touching is not an issue. Yeah. But I wake up the next day and I'm like, how'd you sleep? And you're like, futon was miserable. Futon was miserable. Okay, so here we go. Next option. Do I throw the mattress on the floor? No, I'm going to make a bed sandwich. <laughs> I carry the uh, Scottish queen size. We carry. <laughs> well, the first first time we did. But then after that, I just stopped asking for help and I just carried it myself. I just want people to picture us in this Airbnb, like destroying it yeah, in order to like so figure I, this out. We carry the Scottish queen uh, from the primary bedroom into the bunk room. Lay it on top. I set it up real nice. I even just like made it nice for myself. Mm-hmm. I put a little sheet. I put my comforter. I t- tossed in my pillows and, and went to sleep. It was better. It wasn't great. It was better. So now we're at like a week into this place. <laughs> Haven't had a good night of sleep for a week. <laughs> and I'm, I'm finally just like, I don't really have any other options. Yeah. So I'm just going to tough this out. Yeah. Thankfully, by like the last night that we were there, had a lovely night of sleep uh-huh. in my bed sandwich. But then I had to leave, and we then were we in a whole new again. bed situation. I know. I had just warmed what, up to the it, bunk, too. It was a disaster, I will say. And thankfully, of the two of us, I can survive with less sleep. Yeah. You cannot. I cannot. Like it just it affects you. me quite a bit. Uh, okay, so what's your other disaster? The third disaster of the place was the spiders. Oh, like it was, I don't see that as a disaster. Oh, I mean, the biggest spider we've ever seen was in this place. Exactly. <laughs> One night we were going to, uh, to bed... And I'm walking, there's a very long hallway. Again, if you look at photos of the Airbnb, you'll see it. There's a very long hallway to go from the living area to the bunk room where the bed sandwich was. And I'm walking and there's, there's no lights in the hallway, but it's summertime here. So like there's enough ambient light at like right. 11 p.m. to just like cast some light. And I catch it out of the corner of my eye. I'm like, there's a shadow on the floor huh. that shouldn't be there. Huh. Like that. And you know a spider's big. When it casts a shadow. When it casts a shadow. When your eyes can visibly see a shadow that is yeah. cast by the size of a spider, it's too big. Yeah. And so I don't want to give the impression that this wasn't like it's an... It's not inf- a tarantula. Mm, it wasn't a tarantula. No. It was between mm, an uncomfortably large spider and a tarantula. So it was bigger yeah. than an uncomfortably large spider. Yeah. And I don't want to give the impression that this was like overrun by spiders. No, no, no. But it's like a Scottish summer, you're in the middle of the woods type yeah. of a place. And... So then after the biggest spider I've ever seen in my life. Which, by the way, I corralled with a gluten-free bread bag. <laughs> you and did. Like you caught him in the plastic, gluten-free bed bag. Scooped him up. He was actually yeah, very by the way, agreeable, very amenable. We don't kill spiders in our family. No, we, we really don't. Because, like, I'm not, like, they, they're doing stuff. Like, I see yeah. them making webs. I see yeah. them. And, like, 
I don't know. They have a family. I know they do. And they do great stuff. Yeah. It's just like, let's just put them outside if you can. You know, yeah. you don't have to kill If them. at all possible, we try not to kill any insects. But anyway, so you relocated the spider, but then now I've got a spider detector in my brain. <laughs> and so now I'm looking for spiders. You know, yeah. it's not like I'm just going about my day. It's like, I'm in the bathroom and yeah, I'm like, yeah, where's yeah. a spider? Oh, there's one. Yeah. And then I'm like, I'm in the kitchen and I, I mean, look up just, in the vaulted ceilings. Yeah. There's lots of spiders. And so then I just had like too much of an awareness of the spiders. Yeah. There, I mean, there were just a good amount for sure. But on that note, before we wrap this up, the thing that we loved yeah. about this place that made it all totally worth it was what? All the nature. Hashtag nature. This place had, again, if you look at the photos near me, had these big picture windows on both sides of the main living area would you, where you would spend all your time. I, one morning, Samantha the chicken, mm-hmm. who is their last chicken because unfortunately, unfortunately a pine martin got into the kitchen And coop. if you don't know what a pine martin is, neither did we, and we Google learned. it. Google it. Have fun. Uh, Samantha was the last one. She came over to the window and was just like hanging out with me in hi. the window. I, I don't know chickens to be friendly, but this was a very friendly chicken. We saw rabbits. We saw red squirrels. Don't forget we about the saw three deer. Deer. Dara. Uh, Dan and Dan Dill. Dan and Dill. Yeah, those saw were three we different deer that came literally within 15 feet of the Airbnb. Yeah. Saw an owl on the last night. We saw an owl on the last night. I mean, it was the just rabbits. like. And then on the last day, yeah. our Airbnb hosts that were so generous invited us up to the big manor house. They were so generous because the place doesn't have Wi Fi. <laughs> <laughs> and we got to see, they have like a f- mm, flock, is not the right word, of white deer. Pack. A pack? Sure. Of white deer deer which yeah. are, i think are rare but are just so interesting looking they, they look like land. reindeer sort of yeah they had no idea that these existed they're they, like wild deer i mean they have they keep them in an enclosure but they don't like your park is what a deer they call park it. yeah but they don't like you know do anything to yeah them. and it was funny because we walked down and we were standing there and they were very far in their area and they have a very big area like i would Huge say it's area. like an, an acre, acre. Yeah. yeah i don't know anything about farming it but feels sure. like an acre it was big and they were really far away, and she was like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." Like, didn't come. And then the the uh, her husband Paul comes walking up, and they all just come sauntering over, and we ended up getting a great view of all these white deer. Yeah, like I think it's because they did. Didn't they say that they do feed them a little bit in the winter? Because in the winter they have to because there's not enough. Because they and are grass. in an enclosure and there's no yeah. hay and grass, but. Anyway, uh, it was a very low-key two and a half weeks. Oh, we spent my God. I loved it. a lot of time eating meals at home. Did we? How many meals did we eat out in two and a half weeks? This is coming from people who eat out like Just when we went today. to Dundee for the coaching session. Yeah. So we did do a day trip to a different we city called Dundee. We did a day Dundee. trip to Dundee. And was that's that about it? it. Oh, we did have sushi. We in did Perth. have sushi that in, was Perth. in Perth. So Perth. two times in two and a half weeks, which for many Good of for you, us. for many of you, that's like, oh, that's normal. But for us who are traveling full time, it's like we eat out a lot because it's just like you have so little energy and you also want to try a bunch of great food. Totally. Uh, but yeah, that was our time in Perth. And now I'm looking at someone who is on a parachute at our window. <laughs> oh my God. It's very distracting. Oh, and I don't and know also, where he's going. Also, please clear those trees. Oh yeah. He's very far from the trees. Sorry. Okay. That was like a real moment that we've seen nothing out the windows of our current place. Like yeah. there's no nature. There's... I I mean, there's nature, but there's no animals. Like, there's nothing right. to really distract you. That was very distracting. That was distracting. Okay. That uh, was our time in Perth. We enjoyed it so much. I yeah. think part of why I enjoyed it so much is just because I personally really needed some recoup time. And the routines. And the routines. Yeah. And, like, for me, I will carry that with me after this year, which is just that I love traveling. It's amazing. But, like, I, I'm not going to feel guilty about loving my routines anymore. Like, it's just – it's never been illustrated to me more that – I thrive best when I have some repetition and routine. How much do you appreciate Wi-Fi now? Oh, my God. 
<laughs> also, thank God Netflix has their like downloads feature. That's for I me, would we would go video. to Little Bird. Yeah. I would just like tap 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 try to download all these episodes of something. The Wi-Fi would cut out. You could see people around looking like, why did my Wi-Fi just stop? Because I hogged it all with my Netflix downloads. Yeah. And then I would come home, and then I would have at least one thing to watch. Oh, speaking hey. of things to watch, can we tell them about uh, Ryan? Yeah. I think it'd be just a fun thing to share. Sure. So this, uh, for those of you who are like really into YouTube, maybe you've heard of this person, maybe you have not. I think our audience tends to be like our age of this podcast. So you probably have never heard of this person. Like we had not. Yeah. We're not in, we're not in the Gen Z world. Exactly. We don't know what the Gen Z are so up to. So there is a YouTuber named Ryan Trahan, and I will link this in the show notes for you. And he has done a lot of very weird challenges on his YouTube channel. Just think of like all the videos that <laughs> pop up. They're like, sorry, I'm just picturing us being so old now. Like yeah. we're, we're irrelevant. I'm, I picture us being like, have you ever heard of someone named yes. Mr. Beast? Exactly. And people were like, mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the, I have. Um, yes, I have. Most subscribed person on YouTube. <laughs> yep. Uh, anyway, so we we had, us. we had never heard of Little Ryan. He's like 23 years old. He lives in Texas with his now wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, we now know everything about him because he did this 30-day challenge, which I just, I absolutely love because it takes me back to all of my weird projects. Oh my God. He reminds me so much of a younger you. Yeah. Like so not much. Not as tall, not as thick obviously. <laughs> uh, but little Ryan, essentially what he wanted to do was start with a penny and he's done a couple of these penny challenges, mm-hmm. but usually it's only been for like a weekend or well, a week or whatever. Little Ryan. I feel like that's a little infantilizing. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. Okay. Like Ryan. Uh, so he started with a penny Yes. and his goal was to go all the way across the country just working every single day doing stuff to try to make money and to like try and tra- basically money. trade up this penny into like surviving for the yeah. whole month and to deliver a penny to Mr. Beast. Yes. And so listen, like it's a YouTube collab. It's a YouTube collab thing. Yeah. And like, but, but it got into our routine, I think is the thing and that you were going to share. There was a really good, uh, motive behind it. Right. So it wasn't like, it let was me a just, fundraiser. yeah, let me just rack up a bunch of views on YouTube and make money and like have sponsors and all this stuff. No, he was having this whole feeding America thing and getting people to donate every single day. By the end of it, it was something like, Oh, over a million dollars, million dollars yeah. donated to feeding Which America. Which is incredible. Cause he had this goal to get a million meals donated and he ended up getting a, 13 meals, 13 million meals, 13 donated. million meals donated, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so would highly recommend it again. I'll link to in the show notes, the series. And so it became like our little kind of routine. Yeah. We would be able to go watch and like, uh, you know, come home and watch it on our little hot spot. And it just, the reason I loved it so much, A, it's just wholesome. Like it's just, it's not over the top content. It's just someone trying to do something good and just like be themselves and just make jokes and meet people along the way. And also it just reminded me, it brought me back to this time when you we're a YouTuber and like doing weird stuff doing before, weird before stuff. it was a thing to do. Yeah. Like for those of you who don't know, Jason, when we met, Jason was running a business called I wear your shirt where he would wear companies logos on his t-shirt every day and make content on YouTube. This is like 10 plus years ago now. Oh, 13 years ago. Now. 13 years ago now. Yeah. Um, Which is wild. Yeah. And so he was always doing like weird things on the internet and YouTube and that's how we met. Yeah. And so yeah, it brought me back to then. So we had a great time watching that series it and was, we were like sad when it was over. Totally. And it, it was also just really fun from like a content perspective to watch someone essentially like literally own YouTube for a month, basically. Like, obviously, people get more videos and whatever, but on a daily basis, 
I mean, there were just a million views on these videos within like an hour. And it, it, it definitely went back to like the Casey Neistat days. And you could see a lot of influence of Casey Neistat on his videos. Mm-hmm. And, like, and it just was really fun. Also, just love how much he was in tune with his audience. Like he ate at McDonald's every day. And like his audience was like, eat a vegetable. Yeah. And like there's a whole storyline with that, which is great. So anyway, it's a very wholesome thing. I, I think I heard him say that there's like eight hours of content from that 30 days. If you're just looking for eight hours of wholesome content and you're like burnt out on Netflix and like anything else, this would just be a great series just to like start from the beginning. Yeah. Have fun watching it. Enjoy it's, it. It's very, also very interesting from like a business perspective. It is interesting from a business perspective. How do you make money? Like, what do you do? And, and- I, I was telling you, I think one part early on in the series, he's like, basically deciding, I mean, I think he has like seven bucks or something yeah. and he wants to like, I think it was maybe when he was selling water yeah. and he was like, do I invest this extra money in improving the product, meaning buying ice so that the water's cold when I sell it or marketing, meaning investing in a, a poster board and a sign yeah. and like him choosing the marketing so that he can make the sign. And like, it's just little transferable business nuggets that I feel like you can. Yeah apply to your own business. Yeah, it was very interesting. So anyway, Ryan Trahan, uh, the link will be in the show notes for this and you can go check that out. Now let's get into the actual what episode. What a Val, Jason. Topic. Well, you know, you just you want to catch people up on the good stuff, the disasters, the, the fun, <laughs> you know, it's, it's The critters, all, absolutely. Yeah. So the now we're going to get into the business part of this episode and we decided that we would record an episode about this topic that we've had many internal conversations before. Jason even wrote an entire article about this idea But, you know, you see a lot of business advice out there and rightfully so business advice we would give, which is if you're going to build an audience niche down, right? Like go narrow, like decide on a very uh, specific set of people that you're trying to talk to and talk about a very specific thing. Because if you need to build an audience in this day and age in order to stand out, you kind of want to go narrow and niche. And I think that's good advice. However, I know some of you listening are thinking to yourself, I'm a multi-passionate person. I'm a person who likes to talk about a lot of different things. Don't you hold me down. Don't you hold me down. Don't you make me try to niche. And I just thought maybe are you wondering, is it even possible to build a successful business that's more general, yeah. this more generalized audience? Like I would consider our business, Wandering Aimfully, extremely generalized because yep. even though we go after online business owners and even though we go after what we would call intentional online business owners, it's still quite an array of people. We have designers, we have artists, we have um, fitness coaches, we have like writers, like all different types of people. And so we have done this like kind of intentionally. And I just was thinking to myself in the shower, like, God, if somebody came to me and they were like, I want to do what you've done, create like a more general business because I don't want to limit myself. Is it even possible? Yeah. Yeah. And I I think, you know, where I started with this idea of this article back in the day was with one simple question, which is when do you need money? Do you need money right now? Or can you wait a little bit longer? And like, do you have other things working for you? Can you make money in other ways? Like that's the big question. That is the big question. Because if you need to make money right away, you cannot be a generalist. It is just not possible. Niching is the way to go. You need to be specialized and being a specialist puts you right in a category of people who can get paid for a skill. Right. And that, that is something that I just think we can't hit home enough when we see people who are like, okay, like I'm going to leave my nine to five job and I'm going to start this thing. And it's like, I'm going to be a life coach. And you're like, okay, but like, 
what for like, whom like, and, 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 and around just, what and, there's yeah. so much and, and you're going to leave your job and you don't have an audience and you don't have a website right. and it, it's all these things it's like okay but can you take three years to build this business before you start making like a profitable amount of money that's very tough and so the the kind of crux of this is if you're listening to this right now and you're like i am someone who runs a business that's more generalist it's very important to know it's going to take you longer. Yep. And so on that note, I actually was brainstorming and I came up with like what I think are the five key things that you need if you are someone who wants to be a generalist. Yeah. And so we hope that kind of your, your takeaway from this episode is either, it's like one of two things, either you really have been like wanting to have a more general business so that you don't feel kind of blocked in but maybe it hasn't been working for you. And so maybe this episode is the permission that you need to finally go, oh, this is why it hasn't been working. I do actually need to make money faster. And so I can kind of finally make that decision to niche down a little bit. So either you're in that camp or if you really want to be a generalist, I hope that us going over these key things can kind of reset your expectations of how long that maybe is going to make. And you can make peace with that and say, Oh, I do still want to be a more generalized business, but now I have a better idea of what that's going to take. And so I'm not going to be discouraged if it doesn't happen right away. Yeah. And I I think the other big kind of like key takeaway here in this is if you were trying to build a business like ours, we would say, don't do it the way that we did it. Unless you have the financial runway to exactly wait. because so Jason and I often try to be very clear about the ways that we like that our blueprint is not replicable because by the way you shouldn't try to replicate anyone else's blueprint because it's your life and your business 100 we're very clear about that there's no one size fits all to business but we tell people this often like we have been building audiences for over 10 years. I mean, you definitely over 10 years, me almost 10 years separately and then together. And so what allows us to have this more general audience where we can talk about everything from branding to money, to minimalism, to spot, to all of these things is that we started building our audiences around kind of us and our voice and our interests 10 years ago. Yeah. And and I think a big, mm, ironic thing in the online business space is so many of the well-known people are teaching these things of like, you could grow your business in six months, but it literally took them 10 years. Exactly. And so they're trying to take their 10 years that it took them and squeezing it down. And listen, we're trying to do the same thing with Wandering Aimfully and everything we teach, but we never promise and guarantee that you can turn around and do it in a certain time frame or that you can turn around and make a certain amount of money because it's just out of our control. Right. And in the 2022s, like we don't know what it's like to start a business from scratch. We have so many advantages, both inherently just as white privileged people, but also just as people who've had audiences for years that tomorrow we could go, ah, we're going to shut down Water Inflate. We're going to shut down Tea Tree. We're going to be full-time travel content creators. Well, guess what? We have an email list of 10,000 people. Right. We have a YouTube channel of almost 10,000 subscribers. We have an Instagram that we don't use that, that like we could tap into. Totally. And so we have so many of those things that so many people, when they're getting sold this dream and this idea, don't have. And Yeah, and I hope that you know, you listening to that, I hope that that's actually empowering for you to hear because a lot of people won't tell you that. And so in not disclosing that to you, in not highlighting the ways that, you know, they may have an unfair advantage, you're going to go chasing that same path to 
probably futility, you know? So instead, I hope it empowers you to go, okay, I'm not gonna try to be like Jason and Caroline because I'm me and I don't have 10 years of trying to build an audience. So what are the things that I can take from them yeah. without trying to do the exact same thing? And we're gonna talk about audience in a second because I think audience is the big key Absolutely. to being a generalist. Um, and so different than if you're gonna be some type of niche creator or niche business, the number, the sheer numbers of audience that you need are so much smaller if you're also, a niche Also, let's just be extremely business. clear. Audience equals email list. Email audience, correct. Audience does not equal followers on Instagram. Audience does not equal subscribers to any platform. It follows, it email list. This is, when we say audience over and over again for the next 15 to 20 minutes, it means email list. So that to us is the most important thing. And if you're listening to this right now and you don't have an email list, start today. That's the first thing. It is absolutely to start today. That is step zero on this list of five steps. You have to get a compelling landing page up, a reason for someone to subscribe to you with some copy that's interesting that might solve a problem or get them interested or whatever it is. Just get started with something. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into the individual keys right now. So I think I said there's five. I'm sure there's more, but these are the five that we're going to go over in these, this episode. So here are the keys that we think you need if you want to be a successful generalized business. Yeah. And again, even generalized, like I just mean if you want to talk to like women or if you want to talk to like business owners or, yep. you know, it's like those are technically still some some level of specificity, but not a very high level of specificity. Yeah. So uh, number one, you need a differentiator. It's almost as important as having an email list. Exactly. It, like it, you have to have, if you're going to talk about everything under the sun, what makes you unique is you have to decide what that's going to be because it's not going to be your topics that yeah. you talk about, right? So instead you have to decide, okay, so for in our case, if we're going to talk about business coaching, which is so general, what's going to be our unique spin on business coaching? And I kind of break this down into two areas, which is your, like what makes you different and then what makes your message different. Right. So for us, what makes our methods different is that we are unboring. Like yeah. that's what we aspire Hopefully. to be. <laughs> we aspire to infuse fun and humor and kind of a little bit of irreverence into everything that we do when we teach business concepts. That's our differentiator of our methods. Yep. And then our differentiator of our message is, okay, you don't have to aspire to growth for growth's sake. You yep. don't have to make a million dollars or six figures in order to be successful. You get to define what that is. And we really tell people to define what is enough money for them. What is enough hours to work? Like yep. What is all of defining enough basically? So again, just to recap, if you do want to be generalized, be specific about your differentiator when it comes to your methods and when it comes to your message. And I think an important thing about the different differentiator category is you may know what's different about you right now, but you may not know what's different around about your message or your methods. And I would say that we didn't know when we started Wandering Aimfully right. because we didn't have unboring as kind of our main through line and also kind of like the anti-hustle culture stuff as well until the second year of the mm -hmm. business. And so I think it's something for right now, if you're trying to figure out what your differentiator, differentiator, that word really trips me up, differentiator is, is to just pick something. Mm -hmm. And it can change, it can adapt, it can be something that you tweak over time. It doesn't have to be perfect, it doesn't have to be eloquent, it doesn't have to be anything other than just something you really believe in mm -hmm. and that you could kind of have people latch onto that they can go, yeah, that that's something that I believe as well. Yeah, and a good um, place to start for that, I often call this like your black sheep quality. Like what is the aspect of your personality that maybe at first glance you feel a little bit 
ostracized for or you feel like it goes against the grain of what's conventional because that's going to be your biggest opportunity to stand out because it's already against the the grain yeah some might say like own your weird or own like, your weird like oh like i like that phrase that could be cool hmm. i wrote a book called own your it's weird. called own your weird number two S- number two so first one is you need a differentiator number two you need consistent content this yeah. is the boring answer and this is a tough one because like right now where we are in life like we wouldn't have to do consistent content like we, we could certainly slow way down and we do we take breaks and everything no, else but in order to build to where we've gotten but in order to build to where we've gotten, so i was going to say we now have the luxury of Correct. being able to slow down and so you can look at other people around you not just us and you can go well they, they don't post anything they you know they're not consistent at all in content like they're doing well it's like yeah but you're not looking at the full picture of what they've been doing for years yeah and so when you're getting started or when you're making a pivot or when you're just now realizing like oh i'm a multi-passionate i run a generalist business it's going to take me longer to get going you need consistent content to build that email list and audience in other places if you want but that consistent content in articles in email newsletters in posting on social posting on youtube creating a podcast whatever those things are you have to do it and you have to do it for quite a while yes. until you start to see some actual like growth and, and your things are turning over and converting yeah and the reason for this is going back to something i said before which is when you're a niche business you don't need quite as high of numbers of email subscribers in order to convert to sales. Right. So like, let's say you launch an online course. If you have a very specific audience and a very specific problem that you solve, probably that like kind of, um, core, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Core value proposition is going to be strong enough that your sales are going to be higher. Your conversions are going to be higher and therefore you don't need a bigger audience. However, when you're a generalist, you are going to, let's say, launch an online course. Like, let's just say we're generalists talking about business coaching. Let's say we launch a course just about branding. Our audience is not just people interested in branding. And so that value proposition is only going to apply to a smaller segment of our audience. Yep. Therefore, the overall number of audience members of email subscribers needs to be higher. Yep. So that's why we're saying consistent content because consistent content leads to those email subscribers. And I would say if you're starting out, I would go for picking like one or two channels over trying to diversify over everything because your consistency is probably going to struggle if you are trying to have a podcast and a a YouTube and a TikTok, you know what I'm saying? So like choose one or two and make sure that it ties in strongly to your email list. And make sure that it has built-in organic growth. Like a podcast is actually a really bad place to start. To start, exactly. Because it's so difficult to get organic growth. Like It's insular. If we could show you the chart of our podcast over the past four years, it, it's it's going up, but it's it's laughably small at how much it has yeah, grown. Yeah, I always say a podcast is a great secondary nurture channel. Yeah. I almost think of it in the same as your email newsletter, but email's still the most important. But literally add that on once you get past a, a threshold where you're comfortable with your email list. Like yeah. use it as an additional nurturing channel. Don't try to use it as an organic organic growth channel. Yeah. So the third key, the third key is you need to make sure that you're solving a specific problem, even if your audience is general. Yeah. So this is something that we learned kind of the hard way when we launched WAME, because when we first launched it, it was this membership idea. And it was just like, kind of like get access to our stuff and being, having a general audience with a general product (laughs) 
it makes for very low sales. Yeah. However, if you still want to have a generalized audience with, you know, a large umbrella category of like biz, online business owners, you need to establish a specific problem for that can apply to a lot of different people. So for us, what that kind of organically grew into is any online business owner, it doesn't matter if you're a yoga teacher or an artist or a, you know, um, financial advisor. One of the problems that we see over and over across the board is it's really hard to know what to focus on at what part in your business. So it's like, do I focus on more marketing or my email list or all these things? It's confusing because there's so many things that you can do to grow your business. And so once we launched our unboring business coaching within WAME, we really hit on that as an idea of how to solve a specific problem. Like join our coaching program. We will do a coaching session once a month and you will get one thing to improve in your business every month. Yeah. And then on top of that, once we had enough coaching sessions, join our coaching program. Not only will you get one thing to focus on a month, but now we have the roadmap, which tells you which thing to focus on at what point in your business. Yeah. And I think there's something really important about the lack of feeling like you're limited if you're focusing on something as a generalized business owner. So let's say you have this general business, you know, this general list of people and you're just talking to soulful creatives like you were and you're going to build your first product or maybe your fourth or fifth or whatever. And it's like, this is my Squarespace course. It's like how to master Squarespace 7.1. And the good thing about that is that it's very focused. It's not a course about here's how to do web design, which is just like, it's so general. It's so generic. It actually like goes in further. So now that your group of soulful creatives, they could be yoga teachers. They could be artists. They could be what have you, but they're all understanding that the product that you're talking about is more focused. So you're making sure to solve that problem for them. Yeah. And, and I would also say if you are one of these people who really does want to be committed to a more general business for the long haul, um, entertain the possibility of, of being more specific for certain seasons within your audience. So it doesn't mean you have to shift your entire business to revolve around this idea of like, Oh, now I only talk to Squarespace designers, but maybe instead I'm going to talk to all designers and for a season, I'm going to have an email series that's catered to people using Squarespace. And then I'm going to do an online course on the back end of that. And that way I don't have to revolve my entire business around Squarespace as a platform, but I can just focus my content on this one specific area. And that's going to get your sales conversion up if that's what you need to do in order to make your business profitable. Yeah. Moving on to key number four. So I would say something that you need is a way to make ends meet while you wait for your audience to build. So you yeah. have to have some type of reliable income. Jason was alluding to this before because, right, we said, like, if you need to make money right now with your business, go niche and go narrow because yep. that's just, like, the reality of it. It's just a quicker, faster way to do that. But if you, again, want to leave yourself that wiggle room, you have to come up with other ways that you can supplement that that income. So one aspect is definitely like what I just said, which is, you know, focusing on more specific problems and specific topics, um, in seasons without moving the entire list. But sometimes it's going outside of your business for money. Like for a long time while we were building Wayne, the audience, 
we were just making ends meet in any way that we could through different skills we had acquired. So me taking on freelance design projects, you taking on speaking gigs or consulting gigs, using whatever skills that we could in this more like one-off kind of fashion in order to get some money in the door and kind of extend our runway to build our audience. And I I think some of that too is just a little bit of self-funding is to think about that as well, where if you're currently working a part-time job or a full-time job or, or what have you, or you have another business, but you're looking to change completely because you're tired of being in that industry, you need to build up a runway. And so that's what we did with Wayne. Like we had built up a savings runway through other things and that gave us the leverage to be able to afford to live for two years before the business was profitable. And I I think for so many people, they take the leap too quickly without any type of runway set up. Whereas you might just stick around your job for six months, try to live as leanly as possible, save up a good amount of money so you could live for another six months without having to make another dollar. And then I, I really think the important part of this is like you said, is to try and make money outside of the business you're trying to build. So in any way that you can try and make some additional money, that's really helpful because it doesn't put pressure on the thing that you're trying to build your audience around. It's something completely separate where you go, okay, well, I'll just knock out this website for like my uncle's business and that'll give me 2000 bucks. And now I don't have to think about money for this month. And like, I can just keep focusing on my, you know, whatever business. Yeah. We've seen this before as well. One specific instance comes to mind of you're in that position where you're trying to build this audience. It's around a more general thing. You realize you're getting low on cash. And so you throw out, you know, let's just call them like consulting spots for the X amount of high price tag. And you kind of burn your list a little bit because they're like, Hey, we thought you were here just like delivering value. And you didn't even kind of prepare us for this high price tag you just threw at us. It's not like you've done a course or done a thing. It's like, and so now all of a sudden you've lost a little bit of trust with that audience that you're building because they can sense that you're in a place where you're kind of scrambling for cash. And so you never want to put, I mean, if you, if you have to do what you got to do, like I'm not here to judge, whatever. Um, we all, we all have to make money. Um, but if there is a way to avoid that in, like we were saying, do a design project or, you know, go to a local business who has a really terribly terrible mobile website for their restaurant. And you're like, Hey, I can build you a Squarespace site for 1500 bucks. And, you know, like really get creative about some of those solutions in order to get money through the door so that you don't have to put that burden on this audience that you're trying to build. Because so much of being of building a successful general business is about building trust with your audience in you. Because if you build your audience around them trusting you, they will go along for the ride wherever you take them if you're transparent about it. So it's like, hey, like now I'm shifting the business to this aspect. And like our audience came literally from me being a designer, me being a writer, then going to, and you being talking about sponsorships, (laughs) doing your weird marketing stuff. Now we're, then we're combining businesses and people are like, they came along for that journey. And it was because I think we had built up trust through consistency and through transparency over time. Yeah. And I I do want to make sure that it's very clear when we say that we want you as a general business owner to be making products around lots of other things. And it's not desperate to make a new course around a new thing. Like, let's say you make a Squarespace course. Then let's say you make a Canva course. Then let's say you make a course on using, you know, whatever. And, and they're all different. They're, you know, there's not maybe a clear through line. We're not saying don't do that. What we're saying is don't get into a place where you're, like, desperate for money. And then you're, like, throwing out asks to your audience saying, like, oh, hey, like, book a one-on-one coaching call with me. And throwing like, out asks, not asks. Don't throw out asks to your audience either. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um, I, because I think it's it's a really important distinction between 
asking for something from someone when it feels like the wool is kind of getting pulled over their eyes, as opposed to building a new thing that someone can have a problem solved, that you're giving them an opportunity to buy. And that's what we did with Wayne. Like over and over, we were just building new things and we were creating new things until we finally hit on a thing that made the most sense. And it's gonna take you building multiple things before you actually hit on a thing that people really resonate with. Yep, which brings us to our last key thing of what you need in order to build a successful general business. And that is patience. Because it just takes so much longer. Um, But again, that's a choice that we made early on. We knew it would take longer. We knew it wasn't the fastest route. But as two people who value flexibility so much, I just knew I didn't want to pigeonhole myself. And so we just kept it more general. And that was because we felt like it gave us more room to play around with the different interests we had. And we love learning skills that are all over the map. And so we just stayed intentionally vague and broad and general and knew that we were going to strap in for the long haul and, and kind of get by in the meantime until it became really profitable. And I think the really practical part of this that I want to share when you think about patience and like taking more time is set realistic minds, milestones. Milestones, right. So you might be a generalist who is working a full-time job or, or maybe it's just like you have very little time. Like you take care of your family and you don't necessarily, like you're not the breadwinner in the family, but you want to have this business because you want to provide and like you want your significant other to stop working their job because they hate it. Maybe in the first year of your business, it's just to get your business up and going. It's just to get your audience built. It's to get your your uh, whatever product is you want to build, the, the idea set in stone, your website built, your email list built, your content going. Like That's your first year. There's no money involved. Right. The second year is, okay, let me start trying to sell stuff. Like Let me start doing some, some marketing, some sales. And my goal by the end of this year is to make $10,000. Right. So okay, that's that's a very achievable goal. That's you know less than a thousand dollars a month. That feels doable in, yep. in a time that you might have. Okay, by the second year, I really hope I can double that money. And then by the third year, I hope I'm getting to a place where maybe I've tripled that money. You know whatever. By the fourth year, I've replaced my partner's full time income. Right. And you've broken that down in a four-year plan. You've not gone, I have one year to replace my partner's income. Right. So much pressure. Plus, you just don't have the time. Right. And so I think the the really practical part of being patient is knowing your situation mm-hmm. and how much time it would be realistic and where you can plot these milestones in of what can be done for you. Because you might be listening to this and you might be like us where you don't have a lot of extra you know, things that, that take away from your uh, time and energy. Kids. Uh, a, maybe a bad job situation, a bad Family members to care for. Yeah, like any of those things, right? And so you have a little bit more freedom, so you could probably go a little bit faster. Right. However, you do still have to be realistic. You know, for us, we didn't say Wayne is going to build back up our income in one year. Mm-hmm. We weren't naive to that. Even though we had all the time in the world we could possibly spend on it, we knew that it would just take time. And it took us three years to get to our goal number that we wanted to get to. And I remember that first year, there's a video on YouTube. It's a, it was a previous podcast episode as well called Slow and Steady. And I was really frustrated. And we were at the one-year mark. Mm-hmm. And it like you had to bring me back to reality and go, hey, we said this would take longer. Yeah. But there was still that part of my brain that was like, but I wanted mm. it to be done faster. Yeah. And that the reality is you just have to fight those urges and those thoughts because they will come up and you will set these milestones, but then like your brain will be like, yeah, but like we could go faster. Like look at all these people on Instagram. They're, they're growing, they're making money. Totally. And instead you have to go, no, my plan is X yep. and I'm going to follow this plan as, as much as I can. Things are going to go wrong. Things are going to not go the way that I want. 
And that's what I'm going to try and do. Yeah. And, and I'm going to recommit to whatever part of this and like just keep moving forward and finding, approaching it all like an experiment, which is what we tell people all the time. It's yeah. just what, what hasn't worked. Okay. Take that into what hopefully will work in the future. So for all of you generalists and multi-passionates who are listening to this, we hope this episode has either A, lit a fire under your butt to slow down, (laughs) to just like have more patience, understand the slow and steady, work on building your email list, getting your consistent content going, sticking to that plan, building out some milestones for yourself, or B, you've decided, you know what? I've been doing this for a while. I'm not seeing the results. Maybe I don't want to be on the consistent content game anymore. Maybe I don't want to build an email list. Maybe I just don't want to do these things. Go be a specialist. Go niche down. Find a specific audience with a specific problem and a specific transformation that you can help them with. And yeah, that's that's a different path. And as specific as possible. Right. And and follow, if you want an even like further step on that, follow where the markets are going. Canva, so popular right now. Get really good at Canva and teach people how to learn everything you know about sure. Canva. Find a big email uh, service provider like ConvertKit or something like it you can get really good at become a professional in it and like be able to get clients and help them do that. Like go where the money is. Don't go where the general topics are. Mm -hmm. Don't say, I'm going to go be a web designer for what? Like people aren't going to know how they're going to be able to pay you. So get as specific as possible, follow the markets or just know that you're going to slow down. It's going to take time. Great. I think we did it. I think we did too. There's a lot uh, in this episode that we have talked about for many years mm-hmm. and that we have lived for many years. Definitely. And we're here to show you that it is possible, but we also do want to acknowledge too that we we sometimes forget we are two people. So sometimes I think people compare we are themselves two people. I know. to us it's and they, like we have double the power. Yeah, we do. And also we're two people who are very different. So we have very complementary skills and working styles, which we just sort of lucked out, honestly. So either find like a tall, thick... Uh, like product manager, like project manager. Yeah. That's, that would be good. Yeah. Uh, gender doesn't matter. Just a tall, thick person would help (laughs) or find like a very emotional, artistic, creative person to help you, you know? And again, gender doesn't matter. So just like whatever you want to choose, whatever you want to choose those, you're probably missing one of those two things in your life. Just go find that person. person. I bet you could find them on like, um, I wouldn't Google, Google, (laughs) the Google. Someone's going to, after this search, like, Tall, Tall, thick thick project project manager. manager. (laughs) Looking for spouse. (laughs) You know what? If you and I break up, we have our Tinder profiles set. (laughs) We do. Yeah. All right. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, We'll be back next week with some more stories from Scotland. Is it a country? Is it a state? God, we probably sound so dumb, but... Absolutely. (laughs) But we are. When it comes to geography of other countries. Maybe people going from Europe to the U.S. Are like, like, what states? Like... Are Kansas and Kansas are two separate places? I did just watch a great interview of um, uh, an Irish comedian that I love talking about how she had like an event to go to in Kansas City only to find out Kansas City is in Missouri. Missouri. And like that would be really confusing. very confusing. Absolutely. So So, so it goes both ways. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. That's it. Okay. Love you. Bye.